horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Racing's regular guy is here and ready to rock and roll. I hope everybody is uh, doing well wherever they are. Uh, I hope the fires are going out uh, out west. I know here in the Midwest, we get beautiful sunsets because of the haze from the fires that are coming over. But I hope everybody else is safe and sound. And uh, if you're on vacation, hopefully it's around a racetrack. And uh, this show will be very, very pertinent to you. Uh, Two guests today, one from each coast. So not sure where you're at, but we hope to help you out any place you are our first guest he's a 30-year veteran of the daily racing form you've heard him before he's been with us brad free as free as the wind blows off of the pacific ocean he's out there covering all of the west coast action and uh we'll be uh, talking about uh Two pretty interesting races out on out on the West Coast, if I haven't lost them already. But one will be the Eddie Reed at Del Mar. It is a grade two, quarter million dollars, a mile and an eighth. Pretty interesting group of uh, older horses. I mean, um, yeah, there's a young and four-year-old in there, but the, the five- and six-year-olds are looking awful good in this field. But let's let Brad Free give us the final answer on that one. And then also a very interesting race at Del Mar, the uh, grade two San Clemente. Now, this is for three-year-olds. We'll be going a mile on a turf. Uh, if you like Irish breads, good luck in here because you got four of them to pick. I would certainly direct you towards going global. This horse loves it here in North America. Undefeated in four starts, and all four of those starts, Flavian Pratt was in the saddle. More about young Flavian in a minute. Uh, it looks like the other uh, horse in here uh, would be one of the many, many closers in here, and that's Madone. Now, they're not deep closers. Uh, most of them kind of like to just kind of sit off the pace, let the race develop, and make their move as they uh, turn for home. So uh, Brad Free will be giving us guidance and also a little insight into what's going on out there on the West Coast. And then from the East Coast, a gentleman by the name of Matt Schiffman. Now, you will know uh, his partner, Brian Zipsy. He's been on the show many, many times. Uh, but I finally got Matt on. And uh, since we had a lot of happenings coming out of Monmouth Park last week, he'll be a good guy to talk to. But he also keeps an eye on the action up the Hudson River at Saratoga. Sad to say, the uh, Coaching Club American O a very prestigious grade one race uh, came up a little bit light, not light in talent, but light in numbers, only a field of four. And let's face it, when you've got an undefeated Philly that won the Kentucky Oaks in the field, all eyes 
will be on Malathot, a daughter of Curlin, trained by Todd Pletcher. She is also already a multiple grade one winner. She also took the Ashland uh, at Keeneland, and boy, she's got a nice off-the-pace style. Just barely knows where the wire is. Her last three finishes were won by a neck, a head, and three-quarters of a length. The important thing is she knows where the finish line is, and hopefully for her connections, Shadwell Stable, who plunked down just over $1 million for her, Um We'll get the job done. Now, uh, in the caress, that's a grade three going, boom, don't blink, you're going to miss it. Five and a half furlongs on the turf, a grade three, 200,000 up for grabs for fillies and mares. Plenty of speed in here, but when you're only going five and a half furlongs, you better have some gas in your tank. And most of these fillies and mares do. So we'll ask Matt for his input on that. But basically, I want to catch up with him and kind of find out, uh, you know, uh, more about his background, where he came from, uh, his relationship on air with, with, with uh, Brian. Uh, and also, uh, late breaking news, he was recently named the winner of the 2021 Bill Handelman Award for Outstanding Coverage of uh, the uh, Haskell Stakes. So I can't wait to talk to him about the DQ of Hot Rod Charlie. A lot to look at there. So, uh, of course, if you watch Horse Center, you'll get to see uh, him and Brian uh, on YouTube. Uh, who usually, I think they post the show up Tuesday or Wednesday uh, to recap what they did and take a look at the, the, uh, the weekend races. Now, with racing in full gear now we're not in the dead of the winter we're everywhere well that means winning ponies is everywhere with their easy win forms and uh, just a couple of uh, recent winners for you let's go back four days ago mountaineer a one dollar super box on the 18th returned 1897 and right there with 1894 was a 50-cent pick five at monmouth park uh, a little more inland, we'll go to Indiana Grand, where we had a 20-cent pick six. Uh, that returned over $1,500. Let's not forget our Cajun friends down at Louisiana Downs. July 19th was the day. Only a 10-cent pick six returning over $1,200. Go to winningponies.com. we got all our picks up there and all the results of the offerings that we gave you so you can see we ain't just blowing smoke we're giving you winners so uh, that's how it's going to lay out i guess we've got kind of a public service announcement uh for two veterans of winning ponies they will be teaming up tomorrow so if you want to see what our man ed meyer looks like you may have already seen marty mcgee over the years well marty's coming up from louisville and he's going to join ed for a handicapping seminar tomorrow at 11:45. now it will be uh broadcast uh off track so you can get it you know on air whatever way you like to do that by computer or at your local otb racetrack or you just drive to Cincinnati and see these guys. There's going to be lots of giveaways, uh, uh, DRF uh, swag. Uh, so that's at 11:45 in the morning. They will be putting Marty and Ed's picks up throughout the day on uh, video. So 
Uh, they're not going to leave you high and dry. You'll get to know exactly who they picked race by race. And there's not one, not two, but three grass stakes races at Belterra tomorrow. Also, if you want to see, I know that I've got a face for radio, but they actually uh, put me on video today. Uh, I did a segment on the Pollock Report. Not sure when they're going to uh, put it up. But uh, basically, we discussed uh, Scoot and Boot Perry Oots. Uh, it was just a few days ago, Perry won aboard Mount Number 52,000. What have you done in your life 52,000 times other than breathe and blink? Uh, you got to think about it. And amongst those things you do 52,000 times, if you do, how many of those are death-defying? Now, this 52,000 does not include five days a week of exercising horses in the morning. And on July 7th, Perry celebrated his 67th birthday. Whew. You know, you've heard me say this before, folks. If you want to learn more about this sensational athlete, uh, go to YouTube now. Uh, the Hennigan Brothers won the Eclipse Award for Documentary of the Year, and it's called Iron Man. Perry Utes. It's a great feature. Obviously, wouldn't win the Eclipse Award if it wasn't, but learn more about him. But anyhow, so uh, because I'd cover Perry for so many years with my, oh, 30 plus years as a publicist, uh, now they call me historian, um, in the Midwest, uh, Scoot and Boot Perry Utes, learn a little bit more about him. All right. Let's go to this week's headline story, and uh, I don't think it'll come to anybody's uh, surprise that that race was the TVG.com Haskell. Whew, exciting race, but uh, a little too exciting uh, uh, for some of us. They came into the stretch, and it looked like it was going to fan out into a three-horse race, but it kind of turned into a two-horse race in the final, oh, I don't know, 80 yards, because Midnight Bourbon and Paco Lopez were trying to make a move uh, up between Mandaloon and Hot Rod Charlie. Now, Hot Rod Charlie was on the outside. Uh, Mandaloon was uh, just off the fence, and uh, uh, the hole closed. I don't know what you want to say. Um, it'll be a, a long debate, but Flavian and Pratt, it, it looks like, uh, he really didn't make any attempt to kind of straighten him out as he was lugging into the left. And if you look at most of the photos, he's kind of got the left rein in his hand. It seems to me, if you wanted a horse to go right, you would have the right rein tout and, uh, taut rather. Thank you very much. And, uh, anyhow, his, it looked like his hind left leg caught Midnight Bourbon and boom, the one thing you don't want to see, Midnight Bourbon, Paco Lopez, all of a sudden he goes into a big stumble. Uh, athletically, Midnight Bourbon somehow stayed on his knees, dash feet. Of course, Paco Lopez didn't. He went down hard and did some rolls 
he's going to be okay, but it was very, very scary. So in the meanwhile, Hot Rod Charlie continues on, noses out Mandaloon at the wire, and immediately uh, inquiry signs were going up, and anybody who watched the race knew something was going to happen because uh, uh, it was just too much was going on. And, uh, yeah, they DQ'd Hot Rod Charlie all the way down, so the official order of finish was Mandaloon, the lightly raced Pletcher following C and then anti-gravity good news side of things. Midnight bourbon, according to all x-rays and reports from Steve Asmussen, he came out of the race. Okay. So we'll talk to Matt Schiffman a little bit more uh, about that. And while we're at Mammoth park, let's not forget, uh, we had the, uh, United Nations, they grinded out at a one and three eighths miles. The winner in there, from Flagfall to that's all Tribuvan, a French bred trained by Chad Brown, who's won this race now four times and was ridden by Flavian Prada. Beautiful race. Got the horse out there. It wasn't one of those ones where he went on top by 20 lengths and played catch me if you can. Just got him on the lead. Looked like he gave a nice little breather late down the backstretch and into the turn. Then all of a sudden asked him for more and got the job done. Uh, holding on for the second spot was the long shot Argentinian bred Imperador. So uh, that was uh, the, the races we looked there. Now the, the new kid on the block up at Saratoga, and I'm sure we will see him down the road in the big two baby races there, was Wit. Very impressive. Uh, had to break from the rail, the Todd Pletcher trainee, by practical joke. Look out for this sire for sure. I read Ortiz, despite the inside post, was able to maneuver him off the rail. And Witt did the rest. Very, very impressive. Keep an eye on this two-year-old Colt. Uh, was uh, really looked good. Uh, running second was uh, uh, headline report. The horse I liked. Why? Well, trained by Wesley Ward. Any two-year-old trained by Wesley Ward is okay by me. Dance code was third. And then in the grade one, Diana, it was... Alfiqua, as the Godolphin horses ran one, two. Charles Appleby, who's based across the pond, trains both him and Summer Romance, who ran second. La Signar at 16 to 1, finished third. So that's a look at some of the national news. There was a lot more. Joel Rosario got jockey of the week. I couldn't get it all in, but hey, you read about it. That's why you're have an interest in a show like Winning Ponies. And that's why you listen for all the great guests we have, like none other than Brad Free from the Daily Racing Forum. He's sitting on go, and I'm sitting on go out to a commercial break, and we come right back. We'll be talking with Brad Free on Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup Travers, Haskell or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com john and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, yes, we're dating ourselves this week, ladies and gentlemen. A 30-year veteran, a guy I've been reading for most of those 30 years, none other than Brad Free from the Daily Racing Forum. I always like to tap him for some of our best rest west coast races and brad welcome back what's been going on out there well john thanks for having me back you know it's amazing the last three decades have gone by in the blink of an eye and i remember when i first started del mar still had the old grandstand it was before they erected the new one hollywood park was still open bay meadows was still running agua caliente and tijuana was always good for a trip or two during the summer meet at del mar the game has contracted a little bit but some of us are still are still hanging on and still having a good time so we're right in the heart of summer del mar opened last friday we're into week two starting tomorrow, Friday, and uh, yeah, looking forward to a terrific summer. Del Mar had no fans a year ago, and it sure is nice to be at the racetrack with a lot of people cheering and having fun and just, you know, socializing, betting, having a good time. So it's a little different situation this year, and thank goodness for that. So we have a little bit more noise to deal with at the racetrack, and as far as I'm concerned, that is a good thing. Absolutely, and uh, I'm from the East Coast, so I talked to more of my friends there, and I said, oh, my God, it's like they let me back into heaven when they opened up the gates at Saratoga, you know, and you know, everybody's got their, and they probably do at Del Mar, too, your favorite little spot, wherever it be, whether it be a, a picnic table or Clocker's Corner, or, you know, just make up a name of where you meet your buddies, and it's just great to all of a sudden be back there and see familiar faces. Some of them you may not even know by name, but, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's back, the guy that wears the goofy straw hat, whatever. And it's just, uh, it's invigorating for horse players where that we don't have to just sit at home and watch a TV screen anymore. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of us have kind of gotten into that habit, especially over the last year, without going out and, you know, mingling with people and having some human interaction. But you're right about being at the racetrack and, and, you know, meeting people who you don't even know their name. It doesn't even matter because all you have to do is say, who do you like in this next race? 
and next thing you know, you got a you know a best best friend for a half hour. So it's it's a it's a lot of fun just to hang out at the racetrack and and swap opinions, share sob stories, and hopefully cash a bet along the way. Well, I'm going to do that with one of your compatriots tomorrow. I'm meeting uh, Marty McGee in Cincinnati down at Belterra Park. Uh, I'm going to take in. They got three stakes, and then he's going over to the Reds game with a, probably one of the many girlfriends he has. And then uh, anyhow, and I'll, I'll go back up to the, the uh, press box, at least what we used to call them, and I got a horse in at Ellis Park about 5:15 so we'll see how that one does but yeah it, it's fun just to get out and the, the weather's been halfway decent now Brad of course it's been the the talk of 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 racing and uh, that's kind of the whole storm if you want to call it that uh, around the Bob Baffert stable uh, what if anything are you hearing is there a different vibe out there is Bob at Delmar is he active is he upbeat? Is he, is he short of stable? What's going on out there, if you could tell us? Well, I mean, a lot of people have been waiting a long time for this uh, to happen. Um, and I'm not one of them, but a lot of people have. A lot of people have been making allegations for years and years um, about his methods of training. Um, whether or not it comes to fruition or not um, remains to be seen, but I mean, the evidence is the evidence, whatever evidence is left, by the way. Apparently, the uh, urine sample from Medina (laughs) Spirit has been uh, dissipated mysteriously. It's amazing how that seems to happen. Um, as far as Baffert goes, you know, we have, everybody's just kind of waiting around and see what the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission does because they're, they're kind of sitting on their hands waiting for this uh, uh, split sample situation to be resolved. In the meantime, Baffert is training horses. His horses are not running all that well right now, but any, as any trainer goes through ups and downs, ins and outs, and, and usually Baffert starts off the Del Mar meet a little slowly anyway. He likes to get his stable down here, um, get them accustomed to the racetrack. It's a completely different surface than the one they train on at Santa Anita and Los Alamitos. So Baffert does not normally start off the summer meet in, you know, a high fashion. Um, as far as his mood goes, I've talked to him a couple times uh, since the Medina Spirit situation became public. And, you know, he's cordial. But he can't. He he's under advice of his counsel to not sure. speak to the media for the record. I mean, he'll just he'll he'll you know small talk. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? But when you ask him about horses, um, what plans are? Whether this horse, this two year old first time starter, is any good, or whether this one might need a break, Baffert is on advice of his attorneys. He. Cannot he will not go on the record. I tried to get him to talk about his two-year-old stable, two-year-old um, uh, prospects for summer, which he always has a ton of, and he said, "I just I can't say anything." I, I my my lawyer said I can't say anything. We're in the middle of a legal battle. That was before the Naira situation, in which uh, Naira uh, barred Baffert from stabling or entering horses at the Naira. Uh, racetracks, including Saratoga, that has since been kind of pushed aside. Uh, Baffert is now able to run horses at Saratoga. Um, but before that came, came down, Baffert said, look, I, I just can't talk. I'm, you know, nothing personal. Um, but, and, and sooner or later we'll be talking again, but for now, uh, he can't talk to the media. So it, I, I guess that's really okay. Um, I can 
certainly do my job. There's, you know, dozens and dozens of well-qualified, able horsemen who will speak with me. And um, sooner or later, uh, Baffert is, is assuming he does not get ruled off. Um, Baffert will come back around, and it'll probably be just like, uh, you know, old times. But for now, it's a little quiet at the Baffert barn because he likes to hold court. He likes to hold court in front of the media, sure. and he likes to crack jokes, and he is a character. There's no doubt about that. He's also a very good trainer. So um, for right now, um, people are kind of just waiting to see what happens with the uh, Kentucky Horse Racing Commission and the Medina Spirit situation. It seems like we've been in a holding pattern for weeks on end, and I thought that by now it might be resolved, but again, it hasn't been. Kentucky seems to move a little slow, more slowly than things do in New York and California, but that's where we are right now. Um, Baffert has a whole slew of horses that he's ready to unveil at Del Mar, and we'll see what happens as summer progresses. I'll tell you what, Brad, that uh, strikes me funny that he just can't comment on a horse that has nothing to do with this situation, probably not even owned by the same connections, that he just can't say, yeah, I've got a really nice, uh, you know, into mischief filly that really seems to be, you know, uh, you know, getting ready and she's kicking down the barn. She's ready to go that that he won't even comment on other people's horses. Uh, that That's interesting. And also that you said that he's not generally, from what I'm hearing, kind of holding his court and our listeners left to understand after the workouts bob would like to kind of come out from a shed row after the horses had their baths and stuff like that and was always very open with the public and the media and a lot of times he'd bring one of his stars out so people could take photos and uh that was just almost like a part of his personality it's probably tough for him to have to swallow yeah i would imagine it would be um I, but i'm not surprised and you know I think the reason why he has been unable to speak, and again, this is before he got the injunction that allowed him to start it at uh, Saratoga, but if he says something about a horse and makes some plans for a horse, because not all his two-year-olds necessarily have to run at Del Mar, um, they can also go to Saratoga. So I think that but he, he's what he's doing is actually being smart. He's not saying anything that could potentially be used against him down the down the road uh, in a court of law. So I think it's probably best for him just to not say anything, and that way he won't get into any any more trouble than he already is. But he does like to hold court. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the you know fun, funniest characters at the racetrack that I've ever met. He's got a fantastic sense of humor, a very quick wit, and we all know that he can train a horse. So, um, you know, hopefully this thing gets resolved one way or the other. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll be back to, uh, business as normal. All right, we're talking with Brad Free from the Daily Racing Forum. He uh, primarily concentrates uh, on the West Coast, and there's some good racing out there. Uh, on Saturday, uh, we've got the Eddie Reed. Uh, Eddie Reed must have been 130 years old because it seems like they've been running this race for 100 years. Uh, but it's a quarter million dollars. Uh, uh, you got to be stout going a mile and an eighth. And what's neat to see, Brad, is all of these. Uh, shall I say, older horses still sound and still in competition, and you got a pretty solid field here. Um, I, I guess the, the the rubber match here is between uh, perhaps United and Award winner, who was a seven to one upset, and the Charlie Whittingham out of coming out of pretty much any just all optional claiming races and under Juan Hernandez uh, put in a really nice race 
um, in, in the uh, Charlie Whittingham acclimate <clears throat> that was in that race came back and has won a race since and uh, United uh, will continue to be united with Flavian Pratt. Uh, do you think it comes down to those two? No, absolutely not. In fact, I think that smooth like straight, um, stretching out from a front-running win in the grade one Shoemaker Mile, I think he's the most probable winner on the Saturday card. It's interesting because smooth like straight and United are the top two grass horses in California. And Saturday and the Eddie Reed will be the first time that they have ever met. United is a six-year-old gelding, smooth like straight, recently turned four. So, you know, smooth like straight's been running against three-year-olds last year. This year, he's banging heads with older horses. And for the first time, smooth like straight, who he kind of has a reputation as being a miler, and United, who has a reputation as being a mile and one quarter, mile and one half type horse, they're going to meet right in the middle at a mile and one eighth. So smooth like straight, stretching out from a mile to a mile and one eighth. United backing up from a mile and a quarter to a mile and one eighth. United won the Eddie Reed last year, and when he misfired uh, in late May in the Charlie Whittingham, he was to odds of three to ten last time out, and he could not have run any worse. He finished fourth. He never made a run. And for two weeks after that race, Hall of Fame trainer Richard Mandela could not figure out what the problem was, why United misfired so badly. He finally had the horse reshod, and when they pulled the shoes off, they found that United had, in fact, been compromised by a foot issue. Mandela ah. described it as finding a rock in your shoe. Um, it didn't show up when he was just walking or jogging, but it bothered him in the race. It showed up when they pulled the shoes off, and United has been reshod since then. He's been training well, and I would expect him to run a much better race on Saturday in the Eddie Reed than he did last time out. But this race is very short on early speed, and that's beneficial to Smooth Like Straight, who is a front runner slash pace presser. And as long as he and award winner can stay out of each other's way, um, I think they could potentially make it a parade. But Smooth Like Straight, he's good. He, like I said, he has a reputation as being a miler, but he's raced three times at a mile and one-eighth. He won a grade two. He finished second in a photo finish in a grade one, and he finished third by a neck in a grade one at Churchill Downs. So a mile and one-eighth is well within smooth-like straight scope. He's the nine-to-five favorite in the Eddie Reed. And again, I think he's the most probable winner on the entire Saturday card, smooth-like straight, stretching out from that grade one victory. And uh, coming off this season, uh, two straight 100 or 100-plus buyers uh, after a mere 99 in the Frank Kilrow. So, uh, yeah, uh, Brad Free, I really uh, I like your analysis with uh, Smooth Like Straight. I guess award winner, just uh, right place, right time, and uh, he was lucky United had that uh, stone in his sneaker, and <laughs> hopefully they got that fixed. So we're, we, we just covered the Eddie Reed. That was a grade two, quarter million dollars. Uh, then we're going to go to a $200,000 race. Now, now this one's for the three-year-old girls. It's the San Clemente. It's a grade two, one mile on the turf. And I showed my hand earlier, you know, uh, chalk eating weasel that I am, in that uh, I really love this uh, going global who just has not taken a bad step. 
since uh, coming to the United States. Uh, Madone uh, certainly uh, uh, started out gangbusters, and uh, maybe he had a frog in his foot for his last race, the honeymoon, because it certainly was a clunker. Uh, got stopped by Glowing Goble. But uh, in this race, Brad, it's, it, it's tough to handicap because most of the Phillies in this field kind of like to sit from off the pace. I, I don't see too many they are going to say, catch me if you can. Well, I think the Philly that this is going to set the pace happens to be the stablemate of Going Global. Going Global has been nothing short of spectacular. She was at least in her most recent start. She won her first three starts in the U.S. by less than one length. And then last time out in the grade three honeymoon going a mile and one-eighth, she cut loose. And she won by nearly five lengths. She blew the field away. And after that, D'Amato, her trainer, uh, you know, put her on uh, mothballs, I guess, momentarily, briefly anyway, to point for the two-race series at Del Mar, starting with the San Clemente and then going into the Del Mar Oaks on August 21st. But going global, you're right. She's come from behind her. Her stablemate, Equilove, is stretching out from sprints, and she set the pace last time and raced wire-to-wire in one of the van against Older. She's stretching out for the first time in the U.S., She will make the lead, and she'll take them as far as she can. I don't know if she's in there as a rabbit or if they think that she really can win this race. Um, But when all is said and done, going global will be very, very tough to beat. She's the four to five favorite on the morning line. D'Amato said that he can barely keep her on the ground right now. She is training so well, and she's ready to do some damage. She's won five in a row going back to last fall in Ireland. And she, in my opinion, is as good as any three-year-old Billy in the country. That's probably an exaggerated statement because she hasn't raced anywhere else in the country other than Santa Anita and all four of her wins, three graded stakes were $100,000 stakes races. So the winter spring series for three-year-old grass fillies at Santa Anita does not typically get as much depth as the summer series does at Del Mar and even Saratoga. Um, But going global, the way that she won her most recent start and as well as she is training though in the weeks since then, She's going to be tough at odds of four to five. I expect her to win, and I expect her to her odds to actually drop from four to five. She could go a lot shorter than that, but she's very, very good right now. Well, Brad, if you have you ever decide to get out of the racing game, you should become an artist because you paint a beautiful picture of these races. And I really thank you every time you're on the show. Love having you on. For a guy that's been uh, with the racing forum for three decades, you're still as enthusiastic as a 21-year-old. <laughs> I appreciate that. I wish I, I wish my waistline was still a 21-year-old. But thank you, John. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Take care, Brad. We will be seeing you down the road. That was great to catch up with Brad Free from the Racing Forum. We're going to take a quick break. And we come back, we're going to talk to, hard to believe, a first-time starter on Winning Ponies, none other than Matt Schiffman. You've probably seen him on uh, Horse Center. And uh, we're going to be talking to Matt, learn about his entrance into the game, what he's been doing, and uh, what his take was on the TVG Haskell, you're listening to Winning Ponies. Mm-hmm. 
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And again, happy to bring aboard to Winning Ponies none other than Matt Schiffman. Uh, and also, I want to uh, uh, give a tip of my cap to Matt because he was recently named the winner of the 2021 Bill Handelman Award for Outstanding Coverage of the Haskell Stakes. So congratulations, Matt. Thanks for joining us on the show. I appreciate it. I was uh, surprised and honored to receive uh, receive that award, which uh, has been won by so many uh, excellent uh, turf writers over the years. Now, so, uh, so it's a 2021 award, so it was for your story from last year, not this year, correct? Uh, yes, it, uh, it, from last year, and you know, for uh, coverage over uh, coverage over the years, it was quite an honor to to be recognized uh, by the Monmouth Monmouth Park folks and join a join a list of uh, uh, pretty good uh, turf writers. Well, yeah, I, uh, t- today I, I did a video piece on the Pollock Report, and I noticed under my name they had historian. I'm like, I guess you just got to live long enough <laughs> to remember <laughs> some things, and all of a sudden I'm a historian. It's like, well, you know, I, I I did meet Northern Dancer in person, so that kind of brings me back a few years. But uh, anyhow, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> Um, yeah, I kind of felt now, that. W- I kind of felt that way about the award. That you know, uh, the the number of uh, writers covering horse racing has been diminishing over the years, but I'm still there, plugging away. So uh, I kind of felt the same way, John. I, I know. I got a feeling down the road they're going to have to say uh, for 
outstanding uh, uh, computer radio show. It's Matt, you know what I mean? I mean, there, there isn't anybody in the press boxes anymore, and newspapers are getting farther and farther away from coverage of the sport. Um, and uh, in, in a lot of cases, there's just one guy at the track that's putting the information out, and then everybody just cuts and pastes it, and that's where they get their story. And to me, it, it's a tragedy. Uh, you know, I, 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 I go back to the days of uh, Joe Hirsch, who I used to read religiously and you know uh, people like that that uh, you know you and I probably both cut our teeth on you know reading turf writers like that the word turf writer probably go out the window in a few years oh yeah, no doubt when when people ask me about it uh, I, I I always think if I say turf writer they're going to think I'm writing about landscaping or something I typically say I'm a sports writer <laughs> and I cover horse racing there you go. There you go, because there aren't any sections. Uh, I, I am a terrible uh, rat packer, and you know, I, it's just so much fun to pick up those old racing forms and, and, and read about the different regional guys that you know you, 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 you hung your hat on over the years, and most of them not with us anymore. But it was like, oh, God, I used to read this guy every single Saturday. But, uh, but anyhow, congratulations on, on, on your award and for the great company uh, that, that you kept there. Well, I, I guess your story, your entrance into racing uh, will be the same that my three sons will tell is that how'd you get involved in racing? It's like, well, started going to the track with my dad. Yeah, I mean, like like so many others uh, in our generation, and hopefully in in future generations, you know, it was that kind of story. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, and I went to the racetrack uh, with my father, specific more more often than not to Monmouth Park because we, you know, uh, we lived only you know a half an hour or so from there, and I still live, you know, only 35 minutes or so from, uh, from Monmouth. So yeah, it was, it was fairly typical. And, you know, once I, uh, once I was able to drive, I was on my way to the, to the track on my own in the summer. I, I remember back in the day, you were supposedly had to be, uh, uh, 18 to get into the track and you had to be 18 to bet. I remember betting at Monmouth Park, going to the windows when I was like 12 years old. Sure. They wanted your action. They looked the other way. And if not, there was always an uncle or somebody that'd make the bet for you anyhow. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, I, I love it. Now, Matt, do, do you have any offspring that you have schooled uh, and introduced into the sport? I, I saw one photo of you with, 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 with a young man, but I don't know if he's a cousin and a nephew or whatever. Uh, so, uh, you know, ha have you kept the tradition alive by bringing young family members into racing? I have, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, more when he was younger, I took my son to, uh, uh, the racetrack, but, uh, uh, my son is a, isn't a typical kid. He's got autism. So, uh, um, uh, you know, he doesn't, uh, uh, particularly enjoy, uh, being in a crowd. So, uh, right. but you know, I do, I do my part, you know, with, uh, 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 with horse center and, 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 and everything, you know, hopefully, uh, part of what we all do, you know, you with, uh, your show and, uh, Horse Center and writing for uh, Horse Racing Nation. Ultimately, I think the most important thing to to all of us is that we uh, 
uh, foster new racing fans and keep things going. Well, uh, Matt, with your connection to Monmouth Park, I'm going to guess you were there on Saturday. Uh, was it a collective hold your breath in that final 100 yards when the incident happened in the uh, TVG Haskell? Uh, yeah, I guess I was certainly there and I was down, uh, you know, I was down by the track, uh, when the, uh, when the race was going on, you know, there was, there was a pretty good crowd, uh, at Monmouth. I think the number was 20,000 or so. And a lot of, uh, a lot of young people were there, uh, enjoying themselves and, and partying a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of new people, uh, to racing, but yeah, for sure, um, uh, uh, there was a lot of uh, breath holding. I mean, it was pretty clear um, with uh, Midnight Bourbon that uh, he was okay because he kind of just stumbled and then uh, never went down and and galloped out past the uh, past the finish line. So it was pretty clear that he was okay. Uh, it was just more uh, wondering how uh, how Paco was doing uh, up the track. Well, uh, I know what my read was on the race slash incident. What was yours? Well, you know, uh, I, I think just looking at the at at the replay, um, setting aside the uh, 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 the whip rule and stuff, which we'll, we'll cer- I'll certainly get to in in, yes. in all of this, um, and and watching. Uh, watching the replay on TV. Um, it was certainly a case of Flavian Pratt, uh, making a mistake in the race in my view. And, you know, for whatever the reasons were, um, he, he came over on midnight bourbon. He came over, uh, relatively quickly on midnight bourbon and, uh, uh causing the heels to clip. And, and, and the incident to happen. And, uh, I think the disqualification was completely justified. And, and really, uh, uh, the stewards took a relatively short amount of time for such an important race to make their decision. So I, I, I think, um, that must have been a unanimous decision by the stewards because, uh, uh, they, they uh, they, they, they made their choice, uh, uh, pretty quickly. Now, why, you know, why that happened with Pratt, I don't know. I mean, as you looked at it, um, he was urging um, Hot Rod Charlie pretty vigorous. He was flapping the flapping the, the reins around with the whip in his right hand. And I don't know, maybe it was because he knew he couldn't use the crop for urging. He was trying to come up with ways to uh that that weren't typical of what he would do um racing in California or, or if it was in New York and being able to use the crop for urging but he he was flapping the 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 reins around the reins were really loose and and I don't know maybe that was why he didn't quite have the control of midnight bourbon that he normally would have I don't know that's just supposition for me about um, why it happened, but it was clear um, that uh, Pratt was at fault, and uh, the disqualification was justified. Yeah, I, I was sat there watching the race with my son, and I, and 
before they even got near the finish line. I said, he's coming down. I mean, I've watched her enough races in my day. Now, I don't know if 20 years ago he would have come down. But, uh, you know, and then, you know, when I started talking to Terry Meeks and he brought the whip into question, the thing is, is like you said, he had the whip in his right hand. You know, at least if the whip was in his left, I know you're not supposed to use it except in emergency situations. But at least if he was going to tap him on the shoulder, tap him on the left shoulder. And, Matt, I've yet to see the photo of him with the reins in his hand pulling outward. All the photos right. I've seen, he's using his left hand, and there's plenty of give, you know, yeah. uh, on that left hand rein, and I and I think that that evidence was damning. Yeah, and I and 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 I really believe that um, you know the reins were loose because he was, you know, uh, trying to come up with ways to uh, uh, to urge uh, urge Hot Rod Charlie uh, down the stretch. Um, and again, you know, the, the whole, and then everybody jumping in after the race, uh, uh, to, you know, enhance whatever their view was about, the about the whip rule in New Jersey. You know, I, I, I had to take a lot of the statements with a grain of salt, especially when people said, oh yeah, but if he could have, if he could have tapped them with, uh, the whip on the left, this wouldn't have happened. Well, okay, you know, uh, uh, you know, if the sun had been out all day at Monmouth Park, we wouldn't have gotten any rain either. But uh, he, like you said, he never had his, he never moved the whip to the left hand, and and uh, everybody was looking for uh, a way to use this as part of their arguments from, you know, from Terry Meeks. Who, Quite frankly, you know, I don't know if he's done a very good job of uh, uh, of handling this situation uh, from beginning to end. Well, uh, we, we'll, we will put that aside because we only got about yeah. five minutes. But uh, luckily, one race we don't have to talk about too long. That's the Coaching Club American Oak. So let's talk about the race that uh, uh, has some interest. I told everybody at the top of the show, don't blink or you're going to miss it. And that is the Grade 3 Caress. It's uh, five and a half on the turf. A race just absolutely loaded with speed. And talk about consistency. The two Ortiz brothers will be riding horses that have never been off the board and are amazingly consistent with Caravel and Robin Sparkles. I don't have the odds in front of me. I'm guessing Robin's getting the slight nod in the odds. But with all the speed in here, uh, Caravel can raid a little bit. And I'm wondering if it'll set it up uh, for this horse that's owned uh, in part by uh, Bobby Flay. Yeah, that's and that's interesting. I don't know what the story is with uh, uh, Bobby Flay being a uh, uh, part owner of uh, the horse with uh, with the trainer. Uh, um, it would it'll be interesting to see, but it seems like he's going to be running in the silks of uh, of Flay, according to uh, according to the description in the form. And yeah, it's interesting. You've got the New York horse, um, Robin Sparkles for, uh, Bruce Brown. And that's, and that's a really good story there because Bruce Brown isn't one of the big names, uh, uh, on the New York circuit, but he, he's one of the good guys with a, you know, a a smallish, uh, uh, size stable who doesn't get, you know, horses like this very often, but, uh, He's done a terrific job with uh, 
Robin Sparkles and and move through uh, New York bread conditions initially and won a New York bread steak and that you know and now uh, 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 moving back into open company in this uh, in this grade three so he's got a little bit of uh, a home track advantage he's won at Saratoga. Uh, Broker made in Broker made in Saratoga last year, um, and then Caravel coming in from uh, uh, the Maryland circuit, and, and you always have to, you know, wonder about those kind of comparisons. And Jose and Irad going against each other, yeah, it's a terrific uh, matchup, and it sure seems like the winner is going to come from that duo. Uh, absolutely, and uh, back to Robbie uh, to uh, Bobby Flay, real quick. It's interesting because Elizabeth Merriman not only is the owner and trainer of this horse, but she also bred this daughter of Miz and Mast. And as you know, they absolutely love the turf. So uh, that's going to be an interesting race to watch. And uh, we can't continue this conversation because uh, I'm closing on the close, but uh, the Coaching Club American Oaks. This is a, a, a historic race in, in the annals of uh, racing history. Grade one, half a million dollars up for grabs, and we only come up with the field of four. I guess there's a lot of reasons you could say that happened, but it, it's kind of sad because uh, it really... Uh, you know, I, I was hoping that Malafat would have some competition, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, Clary is no slouch. And, you know, anybody that said starts in, in graded races uh, in Saratoga isn't. But Malafat, it, it just looks like Todd Pletcher's had a good time giving her a race after her Kentucky Oaks win. Uh, she's never been defeated, and I don't think she will after Saturday's fifth race either. Yeah, I don't think she's going to either. Either, although there are plenty of people uh, willing to take shots at her, and you know, saying that oh, well, she's only won her last two races by narrow margins. But, but yeah, okay, those were uh, those were two Grade Ones, and you know, she is uh, way at the top of the three-year-old Philly division with those with those wins, and she seems like the kind of horse in those races that just that knew exactly what she was doing, completely had the race uh, measured and the kind that is uh, uh, good to herself and, and is only going to do what she needs to do uh, to get up and win. Uh, Todd has, you know, uh, since the beginning with her said that she is a special filly and you know, he doesn't usually uh, use superlatives like that uh, with his horses until they've done some really good things. And, and yeah, uh, Clarier in the winter was at the top of the division, but, you know, has not been able to keep up with the uh, pace uh, of uh, Malafat and, and search results and some of the others uh, as the years gone along. Well, Matt Schiffman, I'm getting the uh, the flag from my producer, so I'm going to have to go. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, you'll probably rue the day that Brian gave me your contacts because I will be back in touch. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, John, and thanks a lot.
Okay. Well, uh, as I say, fond to do it, everybody, just want to remind everybody that uh, Jackie Vince Halliday is uh, fighting for his life. Uh, he's in intensive care after a spill at Delaware, and there is a GoFundMe page uh, for Vince Halliday, and it's spelled H-A-L-L-I-D-A-Y. And come on. Reach in your jeans, pull out some greens, and go to that GoFundMe page. He needs all the help he can get right now. All right. Well, again, thanks to Matt. Thanks so much from Brad. Thank you for listening. Go to Winning Ponies. Pull down the easy win, folks. And I hope you have a slew of winners this week. I'm John Engelhart from Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.